When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and ideas for how to build happier habits into daily life. This week is episode 110, which means it's a very special episode because every 10th episode is a special episode. This week, we'll talk about one of the biggest and most challenging happiness stumbling blocks, loneliness. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I feel less lonely just knowing that you're out there somewhere. (laughs) Thank you, Gretchen. (laughs) That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer in L.A. And yeah, I've called you many times in a lonely state. Yes, yes. Uh, Nice to have a big sister. Nice to have a little sister. Now, before we dive into our main subject for the very special episode, we wanted to let everybody know about these two excellent podcasts. This is the month of Tripod, where everybody is meant to help new people discover podcasts and also help people find cool podcasts that maybe they don't know about. And Elizabeth, we are so lucky because our former producer and our current producer are both involved in super cool podcasts right now. Yes, we're so excited for Kristen and Henry. Yes. So for Kristen, Kristen Meinzer, our own Kristen Meinzer, is working on a cool podcast called By the Book. Um, She and comedian Julenta Greenberg are doing a great experiment where they are living intensively by the rules of a self-help book and reporting what they learn, what they do, how it goes. Um, The first episode is, of course, The Secret. And um, the the two of them are going to report on just how do those self-help books work out. 
Yeah, and Gretch, there are so many self-help books out there to try. Well, you know, it's funny because my books are sometimes described as self-help, but I always say that they are just self-helpful. Ah, I like that. <laughs> well, maybe they'll do the happiness project one day. <laughs> yes. So congratulations, Kristen, on that. Yeah. Very exciting. And then Gretchen, Henry Malofsky, our former producer, is all over the news. He is uh, the producer of Missing Richard Simmons, which is a podcast about, obviously, Richard Simmons. If, for anyone who doesn't know, Richard Simmons had an extremely public life for you know decades, and he's sort of gone underground the last few years. Nobody's seen uh, him. Nobody's heard from him. He's built a gate around his you know estate. Yeah, so Henry's producing the show um, in which the host, Dan Taberski, is basically on a mission to figure it out. Where is Richard Simmons? What is he doing? What happened? And it's really fascinating. And it's um, been number one on iTunes for weeks. So everybody check that out. Yes, tripod. You know, and, and now let's dive into the topic of this very special episode, which is loneliness. Now, this is a podcast about happiness, and loneliness isn't a, a happy subject, but sometimes talking about the things that don't make us happy can help us figure out ways to get happier. And a really major happiness challenge is loneliness. And the more that I have studied and learned and talked to people about happiness, the more I've really come to conclude that loneliness is a very common and very important obstacle to think about. Uh, loneliness is a painful emotional experience, and research shows that it also really affects health. Yeah, I know that people who are more socially isolated are more likely to die during a given period than their socially connected neighbors. Um, and that's even after you take into account age, gender, and lifestyle choices, right? Yeah, even like things like exercising and eating right. And one study suggested that it can be even as much of a long-term risk factor as smoking. Wow. But here's the thing is that um, I think that there has been a lot of effort done to kind of reduce the stigma around depression and to open up conversation about it and make people more comfortable sharing their experiences and really addressing it openly. But I think that people feel really uneasy about saying they're lonely. There's something about saying I'm lonely that just feels very risky, very exposed. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it just feels like what's wrong with me that, uh, you know, I don't have friends or I'm not connected to family or I just feel isolated. So uh, that yeah. does not surprise me that there's still that stigma. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is, is if you don't talk about it, it's, you don't realize that other people are experiencing it. It's harder to figure out like how to address it. Um, and the fact is loneliness really matters because if you look at happiness, like if you were going to say, what is the secret to happiness? People always ask me that. They're like, you know, like I have the secret in, a, you know, in a safe in my in my apartment if I would just <laughs> if I would just didn't like reveal. let it. Yeah. Reveal. Um, and, you know, I think there's a couple different ways you could answer that um, depending on how you approach it. One way would be self-knowledge. But another way and like ancient philosophers and contemporary scientists would agree that. To be happy, we need intimate bonds. We have to be able to confide. We need to feel like we belong. Um, we need to be able to give and get support. And it's it's not enough to have people to joke around with and to, like, talk about news and sports and pop culture, which is really fun. But for happiness, you really need to have that sense of deep connection. 
with, you know, some people. Yeah. Now, Gretchen, we do need to make one distinction, right? Which is that being alone and being lonely are not the same thing. Absolutely. So loneliness is something there you feel drained, you feel distracted by being lonely, you're upset by it. Whereas being alone, if you want to be alone, feels peaceful and creative and can be restorative. So not just saying that if you're, you know, sitting alone in your apartment at night that you're necessarily lonely. Well, and of course, people often complain, too, that you can feel lonely in the midst of other people. So just the mere presence of other people doesn't alleviate loneliness. And just the mere fact that you're by yourself doesn't mean that you are lonely. So they're not as connected as, as, as I think people sometimes assume. And the fact that it's like when you start thinking about loneliness, you realize like there's a lot of different kind of loneliness and um, and maybe and people feel different kinds of loneliness in, in different kinds of situations. So like one kind of loneliness is you don't have a romantic partner, but not everybody wants a romantic partner. Not everybody feels lonely without a romantic partner. But I think it's helpful to think about maybe the different variations so that you can get a clear idea of if you are feeling lonely, what might be going on. Yeah, because obviously, depending on what kind of loneliness you feel, you take different steps to address it and make it better. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's all about like, if you understand the situation, then you start seeing possible solutions or you see like, oh, maybe I can, how, what steps would I take to fix it instead of just having sort of this vague feeling that something's wrong in your life. I mean, so there's many types of loneliness, um, lots of different types. And so let's, you know, we can talk about some of them just you know, some of the more obvious ones that people can start to think about, well, maybe that's my situation. Or, And I think one of the most obvious, the most acknowledged, and in a way, the least painful to um, acknowledge to yourself that you're experiencing is new situation loneliness, which is, mm. you know, you move to a new city where you don't know anyone, you've started a job, you're at a school with full of unfamiliar faces. And so you're lonely. For instance, we got a note from our listener, Dana, who says um, that after she moved to a new city, I always loved my alone time, but this is different. I don't currently have a social circle or physical intimate attachment because I'm in a long distance relationship. It's not going to be this way forever, you know, but right now she feels lonely because she's in a new situation. Yeah, I can think of a time I felt this intense loneliness in a new situation I think it was after sophomore year in high school, yeah. I went to to do AFS, which is like when you go away yes. for the summer to another country. I went to Argentina. Yes. I had to fly to Miami to meet up with the other people going to Argentina. And I was walking through the airport uh, to the designated spot and I was carrying my like huge heavy backpack that had, you know, my two months worth of clothes. And I was wearing a lot of clothes because I couldn't fit them all in the backpack. <laughs> And it was, you know, of course, like 95 degrees in Miami. And I fainted in the middle of the airport. Oh, my gosh. And I was all by myself. And, like, I woke up surrounded by people staring at me. Luckily, one of them was a person from the program. So they had found me. But it was like, here I was, you know, 16, just fainted with all new people. There were no cell phones. So it's not like I could call mom and dad for comfort. Um, And I just felt like... That's probably the loneliest moment I, I can recall. Um, and it was not a great way to start my trip. Um, uh-huh. But it was a great experience because I had to deal with being alone in that new, situ- you know, that new situation yeah. loneliness, which can be empowering in a way if you fight your way through it. 
But I must say that I, um, I really was pretty lonely the whole summer, although there were great moments. Well, I have to say, I've forgotten all about that. And now I feel so sad for 16-year-old Elizabeth. That is so <laughs> lonely. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, it was, a long, it was a long time ago, but I still remember it, which just, again, goes to the point of how much loneliness affects us when we feel it. Yeah, how powerful it is. Well, another kind of, of loneliness is you're in a place that's not unfamiliar, and maybe you know and have friendly relationships with the people around you. But you feel lonely because in some way you feel different from the people Mm. in an important way that makes you feel isolated. Like your faith is really important to you and the people around you don't share that. Or everybody loves doing outdoor activities and you're just not into it. Um, Or they love football or whatever it is. And just somehow you feel like you're not part of something or you're different from other people in a way that is... um, just making you feel isolated. Yeah, which explains why people often flock to people who are similar to them in those ways. Right, right, because it, it, you, you want to connect with people on the things that make you feel important. And, and sometimes this is sort of the loneliness of the human condition, which is that we're all, you know, in some fundamental way alone. Uh-huh. And sometimes that hits you hard. But like, I remember a friend where, you know how you spend a lot of times with people like when your child is in preschool with other parents. And she said to me that she thought like, well, I guess I've just outgrown that part of me where I'm interested in other new people and I want to make friends because I just don't want to make friends with any of these people. And there's just no spark and I'm not enthusiastic. And I guess I've just changed. And I used to be such a friendly mm-hmm. person and now I'm not. She thought. And then her daughter um, got out of preschool and was at kindergarten. So it was a whole new school. And she was like, oh my gosh, I have so many new friends. Because what it was, was it wasn't that I had changed. It was that I just felt different from the other people there. I didn't, I wasn't interested in the kinds of things that they were interested in. And so I just wasn't that interested in being friends with them. But then when I was around people that were like shared my values and my interests, it was much easier to connect. So that's the I'm different loneliness, which, you know, also a lonely feeling. And then there's the no sweetheart loneliness. Yeah. And that's a big one. That's yeah. like, I mean, that's that's what songs are written about, yeah. right? Yeah. And not everybody experiences it. Not everybody wants a sweetheart. It, but if you want a sweetheart and you don't have one, it's not easy to replace with other kinds of relationships. Yeah, this is, I don't think there's any lonelier feeling than if you really want um, someone in your life like that and you have to go to a wedding by yourself. Mm. You know, the the uh, sitting at the table watching everyone slow dance mm. uh, and this feeling of romance, like that is the loneliest feeling. I think many of us have felt that in yeah. our lives. That's a very uh, late 20s kind of loneliness, I know. Yeah, yeah. But then I think there's also the loneliness of you have a partner, but you don't feel like you have a deep connection to that person. So it's sort of like, mm. Mm, like I have somebody standing next to me, but maybe... I don't feel like I really have that sweetheart connection that would, you know, uh, fulfill me. Yes. They say there's nothing lonelier than being with the wrong person. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be the right person. Um, and then there's the no time for me loneliness. And this can take sort of two forms. One is when you're surrounded by people who seem friendly enough, um, but they don't really seem interested in making the jump from friendly to being friends, like maybe they're too busy with their own lives or they already have a lot of friends. Um, So you're interested in having the deeper connection, but they just don't seem to follow up like they're not they're not eager to make friends. 
And then maybe in an even more common form, it's when you have a lot of existing friends and they have moved into a new phase of life where they don't have the kind of time to do the things that you used to do together. So like everybody's gone to graduate school and so they're completely distracted Mm -hmm. or they've started working really long hours or they've started a family. And so they don't have so your social scene has changed and the people that you used to spend a lot of time with. Now you feel like are preoccupied with other things. And so it just makes you feel lonely. Gretch, just the other day, a uh, casual friend of mine, I noticed, had posted on Facebook. She has like a two-year-old and she said like sort of a general post, like, sorry, everybody, that I'm just not available to go out to dinner on Saturday night like I did for so long, but I've got this son and I just need to focus on him and I still love you all. I just can't do it right now. And I thought that was really nice. It was like acknowledging the situation. Um that she realizes that, that she's not available to people, but but that this is where her priority is right now, and she just has to go with it. I think, though, for the person experiencing the no time for me loneliness, it might have meant more if she had directed it at an individual person. Well, Like, hey, Elizabeth, I, you know what I mean? Because just putting it on Facebook is, I don't know, I think that might leave me feeling lonely anyway. But better than doing nothing. Well, I mean, <laughs> I've dropped out of sight and I've never at times and I never emailed anyone or Facebooked or did anything, you know? Yeah. Plus well, on Facebook, you can comment. Then, you know, there's comments and people are talking back and forth. Right, right, right. No, and I think that's one of the advantages of something like Facebook is that it can kind of keep a friendship going for a while. If you have these periods where you can't connect, you can, it somewhat alleviates loneliness because you have some connection to your friends and then it doesn't go completely dormant so that when time is becomes available, maybe it's not so hard to, st- to step back into that friendship again. So I think there is a role for social media with things like that. Absolutely. Now, another kind of, all these kinds of loneliness are painful. Um, Another kind of loneliness um, that is a painful kind of loneliness is untrustworthy friends loneliness. And this Mm. is when you've got friends, but you're starting to think, I don't know that my friends have my back. I don't know that they're really well-intentioned. I don't know that they're kind. I don't know that I can trust them. And that is really matters because an important, a crucial part of friendship is feeling that you can confide in someone, you can trust someone, and you feel like someone's got your back. And so if you feel like, well, I'm hanging out with these people and I'm calling them my friends, but I don't really know that they are acting like my friends, again, that's going to leave you feeling lonely. Even if you're having a fun time, you're going to feel lonely. Gretchen, you've just described every uh, Real Housewives episode <laughs> ever you know, ever taped. You know, I love the Real Housewives. That's a that's a big part of the Real Housewives is can I trust these other women in this city? Really? Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm happy to say in my life, I've never had untrustworthy friends, although I do think like seventh grade is prime time. Oh, my gosh. This. Oh, yes. I experienced this in a huge way. I can't remember if it was seventh or eighth grade because I blocked it out entirely. But I had a massive, uh, you're not trustworthy, you're not a real friend. Like this whole thing is exploding under me. I mean, I often remember, I think it's one of the Francis books about the tea set. Which one is that? And she says, do you want to be friends or do you want to be careful? It's like, and Mm. they decide they want to be friends. It's like, you don't want to have to be careful with your friends. No. Yeah, no. 
And here's here's a, a kind of loneliness that I, I had never really thought about until I read this very, very interesting memoir about loneliness by Emily White, and it's called Lonely, and she writes about her own experience of loneliness and sort of analyzes loneliness. And she wrote about quiet presence loneliness. She said, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be socializing. What I needed was someone at home with me, someone whose breath I'd hear as I sat reading, whose footfalls would sound in the hallway, whose voice would reach me from an adjoining room. What I wanted was the quiet presence of another person. So it wasn't that she wanted to engage or socialize or talk or confide or catch up. She just wanted someone around. It is funny how the house feels different when there's someone else there, even if they're all the way on the other side of the house. It really feels different. It's weird. Like one thing I've noticed, too, is even lighting a candle or having a fire going makes it feel more like there's more life in your in your Mm. room or your or your house. Even that little bit of movement feels like there's more life. Um, but definitely just knowing that someone's like asleep in the far corner of the house makes completely transforms your experience of being at home. Uh, Gretchen, this is adjacent to another kind of loneliness. And I definitely uh, know someone who has felt this before, which is no animal loneliness. Yes. I mean, the thing is, some people, not everyone, I, I you and I are not like this, Elizabeth. I would say we no. do not feel a deep, deep need to connect with animals. I love Barnaby. I love having him in our house. But there are some people for whom the presence in their in their life of an animal is really, really, really important. And without that, without that dog, without that cat, less conveniently, I think some people feel this way about horses. <laughs> Not easy in New York City. Um, they just feel like some key relationship is lacking if they do not have an animal. Gretchen, you know, Sarah, my writing partner, is like this. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's always had dogs ever since, you know, she could after graduating college. And um, like even I thought once she had her daughter, she might not be as, you know, interested in pets, but not the case. Um, there was a brief time when she didn't have a dog. And she, even though she had her daughter, um, she just needed a dog. Yes. Um, so now she has two dogs and she's very happy and, and not lonely at all. Yeah. Sarah is definitely um, someone who loves dogs. And then Gretchen, there's the no friend group loneliness. Yeah, I, I love this phrase. This is like we didn't when I was young, we didn't talk about friend groups, but this is like a new thing for I mean, it's very descriptive friend groups. But like Eleanor talked about her friend group and I I just, it's just like a term that seems funny to me. But um, yes, friend group loneliness. Yes, you might have friends, like individual friends in different parts of your life, but not a group of friends, which also, is, in addition to friend group, Gretchen, this is known as a squad. Oh. Taylor Swift made that famous. Oh, I have not, I have not heard of squad. Yes, squad <laughs> is your group of girlfriends. Uh-huh. And if you're a mom... There's a lot of pressure to have a mom squad. Ah, so it's like a set group. Which I do not have. Well, you had it in college. I remember that. Yes. In college, I had my friend group, which I, you know, and they're still my friend group, but we're just so spread out. I I barely ever see them. It's like, I loved in college saying, I'm going out with these people on Friday and Saturday night, you know. And I know these people, we celebrate all of our birthdays, you know, together. And if I go on spring break, these are the people I'm going on spring break with. Like, I love that feeling Mm. 
of like security and closeness. And I really miss having that. Um, I wish, you know, if we were all still together, you know, I would still have that. Yeah. So Gretchen, I feel like I've tried in LA to form sort of codified friend groups and I have my little tiny friend group, uh, you know, or groups, but not that sort of 10 people or eight people who you always do things with. So I'm still, I'm searching for my squad. Yeah, it's probably something that's harder to do when you're when lives are more complicated than when you're in college and your schedules are so similar and you're all in the same place. I mean, I don't think I've ever had this. I mean, really. The, and I, I envy you what you had in college because it really is great to have a squad. But I don't miss it because I think I've never had it. But I know it's something that it's a kind of loneliness that you, you feel. Yeah. And I feel it's interesting, not just that I don't have my squad now, but I also feel lonely for my you know, my squad that I did have yeah. that I don't now get to, you know, be a part of on a daily basis. It's like, it, it's a, it's a big emptiness. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I have friends and right. Adam and Jack, it's just that element of my life is missing. Well, I mean, and that's a great point, which is that you can have lots of family and friends and activities and a sweetheart and all that and still experience a certain kind of loneliness. Um, and that's why it's helpful to know what it is, because then you can see ways to address it. And one way this came up for me is I, um, especially when I first switched to being a writer, I had the kind of loneliness, which I still sometimes have, which is the kind of I'm all alone in this experience kind of loneliness, mm. which is when you don't have, because as a writer, like, especially when I was starting off, I knew no other writers. I didn't even know anybody who was in oh. my profession. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the way I write, I don't really collaborate for the most part. And I love working by myself. I really thrive on it. But I also miss, you know, talking at the water cooler and having meetings and and, and just that, that feeling of people are sharing your experience. And like, Elizabeth, you know, for years, I've said how I envy you your experience with Sarah, because Sarah is as your writing partner. She's in it with you all the way. Yes. And if you want to sp send f spend 45 minutes like parsing the meaning of an email or something, yes. she's just as interested. Um, but one of the things, because I, I diagnosed that in myself very early, like I have joined writers groups and I have more book groups. And like one of the reasons I'm so thrilled to be collaborating with you on this podcast is that we work together and we have this whole kind of work situation. Because for me, that that feeling like I'm all alone, nobody you know, like Jamie is not interested in talking about like mm -hmm. he is not going to look at that email for 45 minutes with me. Right. And my agent right. has lots of clients. She can't do that with me. You know, so that's another kind of loneliness. Yeah. I'm all alone in this loneliness. I'm yep. sure a lot of people feel that in, you know, other professions, too. Oh, yeah. Well, in, in all kinds of ways. Gretchen, in addition to all these kinds of loneliness that we've been talking about, uh, some of our listeners wrote in with their particular kinds of loneliness. Yeah, this is this is a very common theme that we've gotten uh, from listener emails and voicemails since the beginning. It's loneliness. Melanie says, I'm going through a divorce. Still can't believe I'm saying this after being separated for about a year. We have three kids together, seven, four and two after 10 years of marriage. I call a few friends almost every day to get some kind of comfort I need from them that for that particular day, but don't want to always be calling them more so out of codependency. And believe it or not, with three little kids, it does feel quiet and lonely. Yeah, Gretch, from what I hear from people, going through a divorce is one of the loneliest experiences uh, there is. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's part of what makes it so painful. And as she says, 
there's all kinds of loneliness and you can have a house full of children and still feel lonely because it, there's other kinds of relationships that aren't being filled. So um, absolutely. In fact, I think being the parent of young children is is something that can make people frequently feel lonely. Our, our listener, Sarah, commented, I have a toddler now and was shocked at how lonely and isolated I felt. So it's interesting. And then, Gretchen, there's the other side of having a toddler, which is I have a fear, even though it's like 12 years away, of empty nest loneliness. Yes, right. Yeah. Luckily, I will say I'm working with some people now who are empty nesters, as they say, and they seem to have wonderful lives. So my my fear of that loneliness has um, abated somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had the same experience talking to people about the empty nest. And here's another very common form of loneliness um, that I think a lot of people will uh, identify with. A reader posted on my blog, during the holiday season, this becomes particularly poignant. Some of us just aren't looking forward to the holidays that much, and it can be a very lonely time of the year. This isn't acknowledged in the press and social media. You have to be pretty brave to make your Facebook status lonely. So loneliness is compounded by the feeling that everyone else is out there having a great time. Yes, Personally, Gretch, speaking of holidays, that's I relate to this. And again, I guess this is a lot about me projecting into the future (laughs) because I have a fear that Jack as an only child will be lonely during holidays when he's older. Like, you know, he won't have enough family. Of course, he has all of his cousins, but, you know, it's not the same as having siblings. But right now he's good. But I do have a fear of that in the future. Yeah. I mean, and and and. There's that. And then I think there's also just the feeling of holidays often make people feel alone, whether it's, you know, the Christmas holiday, Valentine's Day, New Year's Day, Thanksgiving, like Fourth of July. I mean, they're all times when you're like, I'm by myself and everybody else is having tons of fun with their family and friends and, you know, surrounded by by other people. And I think it is widely acknowledged. I think a lot of people and a lot of people try to be sensitive to it and think like, is there somebody who I I should invite along to a holiday dinner or whatever, because they might feel they might feel lonely at this time. Yeah, I think this was the birth of like Friendsgiving. You know, a lot of people just get together with friends for Thanksgiving. And I think um, that has done a lot for people. And Galentine's Day. Yes, which we discussed. Yes. No, so this is a good example of like, if you realize like I'm lonely because I'm all alone during the holidays, you can maybe think of some kind of creative solution to it. So that's a great example. Speaking of solutions, we're going to talk about more solutions and ways to deal with loneliness after an ad break. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com happier. That's storyworth.com happier to save $10 on your first purchase. 
LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so the question is, what can you do if you're feeling lonely? Like, what are the steps you can take? And the most obvious one, you know, to state the obvious, is to take steps to connect with other people. But here's the weird thing that really surprised me when I started doing research about loneliness is that I'd always assume that if you were feeling lonely, you'd be in a particularly receptive place to make new friends. You'd be feeling very warm. You'd be feeling very, like, willing to engage. But what's interesting is that research shows that people who are lonely actually feel more negative, more critical, and more judgmental. And so then that gets in the way of them making friendships. So if you, that's another reason to like kind of understand if you are feeling lonely, because sometimes you want to, we want to deny that we're feeling a negative emotion. But if you realize that you're feeling lonely, maybe you can, you can kind of be aware that that might be and say to yourself, you know, I want to, I want to be receptive to friends. I want to be warm. I don't want to be critical. And Elizabeth, you know, we had, we heard from a listener um, a while back who said how she was feeling lonely and an old friend reached out on Facebook and was like, hey, let's get together. But then she didn't respond. Even though she was feeling lonely and some, an old friend had reached out, it was like she didn't feel like getting going again. And then she said, like, I realized I really should do this because I really do want to make friends. So then she did. But her first that wasn't her first impulse, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, that's it's interesting. It's like we're self-defeating. Yes. Yeah. So it's something to think about if you're experiencing loneliness. So let's go through some of the things people can do. Well, one is just to show up, mm-hmm. you know, like just just be there. And one interesting thing is there's something called the mere exposure effect. And that is that people tend to like other people or experiences or products or whatever better when they just are more exposed to them. And so it's easier to make friends with somebody if you see them often. And I, I have to say, Elizabeth, I have seen this over and over in my life where there's been somebody who I haven't really particularly uh, felt a connection to, but then just over time we sort of warm up to each other and then end up becoming good friends because circumstances put mm-hmm. us together. Um, so it's good to just remember that even just showing up is a step towards relationships. My friend Nancy calls that familiarity breeds familiarity. <laughs> yes. Or somebody calls it breakfast club friends, like the friends where you're stuck in a situation together and over time you warm up and then like uh, yeah. you end up dating. Um, yeah. Well, and sort of along the same lines is mom's um, point that she, I think we quoted her or gave her a gold star for her point that um, it's easier to make friends when you're working on a project together than just sort of like have, going to coffee together. That there's something about doing, like whether it's training for the marathon or taking a class or working on a project, 
um, you're showing up. You've got a, you're both working on something together. It's a it's a way to build build friendships through doing a, a, an activity together. Yeah. And it's easier to maintain friendships through built in regularity. So it's like, I yeah. see this person every Wednesday, I see them every morning at drop off, we, you know, yes, we have our book group every month. It's like knowing that you're going to see them that that builds in friendship. And that is exactly why I am such a fan of people joining or starting groups, if they're feeling mm-hmm. lonely, or they just want to have more social connections. Because like you say, you have that built in regularity. And you kind of have the squad because it's like it's got its mm-hmm. own identity. Like I have a book group and it is it's its own. It's not an independent squad, but it is its book book group squad. And it's also a way like if you might have a few friends and then they bring in other friends. And so you can easily expand your social network or you can join or start a group that's not an official group, which is something like um, a lot of people talk about this in New York, that when you get a dog, you enter into this whole world that you had no idea about, like all the people who go to the dog park at 7 a.m. Yes. And they all become like fast friends or like a friend of mine has has gym friends, like friends she only sees at the gyms, gym. And they, they take the same class over and over and she never sees them outside of that class. But it's, she's part of it. She's joined a group. And so there is that regularity and you, the familiarity. And um, and then slowly you build in those that deeper friendship. And then there's also Gretchen revive a dormant friendship yeah. like um, the person who talked about how someone reached out to her on Facebook. Yeah. And we talked about this in episode 79. It was the try this at home. And this is the idea that like the one who got away, there's two kinds of dormant friendships. One is the person where you were once friends, but now you've drifted apart. Like you had kids in the same class or you were neighbors or you worked together, but now circumstances have have pulled you apart. And so your friendship has gone dormant, but you still have that reserve of affection and, and familiarity. And the other kind of dormant friendship is when it's like the one who got away. Like I have, a, do you have people like this in your life, Elizabeth? Absolutely. Yeah, where you're like, we should have been good friends. Like I always liked you so much, but somehow it just never progressed. Like somehow we were never, yes. it never turned into anything. And so, if you're feeling lonely, that's that's a way is to look at possible dormant friendships. Yeah, this is Sarah. Uh, the other day, someone we we ran into someone who we'd had lunch with, and she was saying like, "What happened? We had a great lunch, and then it just all fell apart. And we haven't hung out, and I feel so rejected." Um, I mean, she was joking, but it's just funny. She was one that's gotten away in the short term, right. so we need to pursue. Right. Her. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, another way to alleviate loneliness is to make a habit of nurturing others. This is when you you give what you wish you could receive. Like, you know, you're mm. creating you're creating it for other people. And you can, you know, offer to take care of your neighbor's kids once a week or you could teach a class or you could volunteer, you could get a dog. Mm. Because when you're giving support to other people, that feels that that creates that feeling of connection. And here's a really interesting thing when they in studies of happiness, it turns out that it's just as important for happiness to be able to give support as it is to be able to get support. And so if you're giving support, that's going to increase your feeling of happiness. It's going to increase your feeling of being connected to others in the world. Mm. Yeah, I know you always say in general, do good, feel good. Yeah, yeah. When When you do good for other people, you feel better yourself. 
So Gretchen, those are some solutions. Yeah. Obviously, uh, I'd love to hear from people about what they've done to combat loneliness and the different kinds of loneliness they deal with. Um, because, you know, it's it's a problem I think we all face at one time or another. Yeah. And it, and it can become a very, very acute happiness stumbling block. Now, and for people who are who want to read more about loneliness, there are two books that I would highly recommend. One is by a guy, I cannot pronounce his name, John Cachopo and William Patrick. It's called Loneliness, Human Nature and the Need for Social Connection. And that's a nonfiction book. And then the book that I mentioned earlier, which is that memoir by Emily White called Lonely, about uh, Emily White's experiences and research in loneliness. And so I will put links to that and the author's name and everything on my site. This is happiercast.com slash 110 if you're looking for that. Yeah. And so if you've experienced any of these types of loneliness or a kind that we haven't talked about, uh, let us know about it and what you did to tackle it or what has worked for you over the years, um, because we're so curious to hear about people's experiences. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, Elizabeth, I believe you have a loneliness-related demerit this week. I do, Gretch. Um, so I was telling you how I'm lonely um, for a friend group slash squad. Yeah. And I have to tell you that in, to your point of when people are lonely and they have an opportunity co- to connect, but they don't do it, like, what are they thinking? Mm-hmm. I did this the other night. There was a mom's night out, as we have periodically um, with the first grade moms at Jack's school. So I RSVP'd yes. I had every intention of going. And then I just had a really hard, exhausting day at work. And I just didn't feel like the energy, you know, yeah. To to actually go. And so I didn't show up. And, you know, as soon as it was about an hour into it, you know, when I thought, oh, everyone's having fun, I regretted it. Would have been a perfect time to, you know, deepen connections I have with other moms and um, work on my so-called mom squad. So, you know, next time I'll show up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how about you, Gretch? Do you have a gold star related to loneliness? I do. I have a gold star for Eleanor and Eliza, who were the ones that super pressured me into getting a dog mm-hmm. because I was very resistant to it. Um, because I do realize now how much sort of life and connection um, having a dog and, you know, Barnaby's wonderful. And yeah, with Eliza leaving the house in six months uh, to go to college, it's, mm-hmm. it's nice to know that there's, an, you know, a being in the house. And plus, people people have told me that even if they don't come home to see you, they will come home to see the dog. <laughs> and I should and I should give a gold star to Barnaby too, because there really is something about that quiet presence, um, about the life of a dog and the the energy and uh, personality of a dog that really does uh, counteract loneliness. Yay, Barnaby! And that's it for this very special episode of Happier. 
We want to hear what you have to say about loneliness, your experiences, your insights, what you do to combat it. Let us know. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Listen to her new podcast, By the Book. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend, subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you're the kind of person who likes to get stuff by email, if you'd like to get an email every time we release a new episode of the show, you can sign up at happiercast.com slash join, and we will add you to the list. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. <laughs>